Thank you, Pastor. I was talking with uh, Pastor Welch about this last week. I said, to be honest, I get a little nervous thinking about getting in front of him talking, getting in front of everyone talking. He said, well, Michael, I, get, I feel that way every week. So it made me feel, made me feel a little bit better there. Um, all right. So looking around, I see a lot of familiar faces. And uh, for those who have not had the privilege of meeting, um, my name is Michael Tankersley. I'm the son of Mike and Jesse and the proud brother of 12 wonderful wonderful siblings, Jonathan, Abigail, Stephen, Andrew, Rebecca, Anna, Sarah, Lydia, Sam somewhere over there, Faith, Rachel, and Chloe. Um, and get a show of hands, if you don't mind, from the young people. Who here has either been homeschooled or is still currently homeschooled? So, at least half of us. So, um, things I want to talk about apply to people in our situation, but I think it really the, these things apply to all of us. Um, I grew up in a godly Christian family. Um, prayed before every meal. Read the Bible as a family at least once, once a day. Family bothering time, went to church every Sunday. Um, but growing up, definitely um, wasn't walking with the Lord in terms of where my heart was, where my loyalty was, where my allegiance was. You know, I could have told you anything about the Bible off the top of my head. You're coming to church here and other places, do a very good job of educating you about God's Word. But in terms of, uh, where my heart was, um, I wasn't walking in obedience to God. So um, Pastor Welch talked about back in 2008, and, and I remember that. I remember talking with him. I remember talking with him. Mr. Prislowski was another one of the elders at the time. So we're trying to get some of their advice on uh, what was going on. Basically, in my, in my home life, is I was just being rebellious to my parents. Um, you know, I wasn't doing anything crazy wild, but just in terms of uh, living under my parents' roof and and. Uh, respecting and honoring them, uh, that definitely wasn't where I was at. So my parents and I basically got to the point where we were like, you know, if you can't obey the rules of the house, you can't can't really stay here. You're not setting a good example for your siblings. So I ended up moving up to um, Tennessee to Jackson, live with my grandma and mother and uh, my step-granddad for a little bit and uh, live with them for a couple months before my step-granddad kicked me out of the house. And uh, I transferred a lot of my problems with me up there and uh, spent a night um in my car, and then a family at the church I was going to ended up taking me in. Just they heard about my story, and I lived with them for a couple of months, and moving to Memphis. And um, over the next pretty much five years, I did everything that I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And you know, growing up, especially if you're still living at home, a lot of times you can it might seem a little, a little chafing. Like you know, you gotta listen to what mom and dad tell you what to do, and you can't wait till you move out so you can do what you want to do. And uh, it's not all that's cut out to be. So for five years, I did exactly what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, and um, ended up leading me to really a really bad place. It's sort of funny how God works, though. Uh, Pastor Pastor was talking about, you know, for those of us that are called by His name, believers, how God brings us back home. Because even God allowed me through the five years to basically live in the life of the prodigal son. He allowed me to um to reach a point where I realized that I needed Him. So about a year and a half ago, 18 months ago, um, I had reached that point. I got into the point where basically every morning uh, when I woke up, um, I was so depressed and so miserable that the only way I knew how to cope with that was to get high. 
I had, that was my first priority every day as I had to find some way of getting high because I couldn't deal with what life was like because of the result of my, my decisions. And um, I realized, finally realized I, I had a problem, I needed help. And uh, I realized I had a couple of problems, realized that I had a, a drug and a drug substance abuse problem. I realized that I had a, uh, just a, a character, a work ethic. Also, I was a lazy bum, I had that problem. And also realized I had a spiritual problem. And at that point, I wasn't ready to deal with the third problem yet. And so my way of fixing my first two problems, and bear with me, my way of fixing my two first two problems is, okay, I have, I have the, a drug problem as long as I stay in Memphis. I've tried getting off this stuff, and I can't in Memphis because I know too many people, and I have too many people that let me crash on the couch, and that won't enable me. So I need to leave Memphis. And um, I need to, to find some way of... of basically just not being lazy. And my way of fixing my problem was I came up with this grand idea. I'm just going to tell you what it is, and it was really stupid. But I, um, I'm, I'm going to come up with this idea, and basically I'm going to sell all my stuff, my TV, my computer, and my Xbox and whatnot, and have a couple hundred bucks. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm 23 at the time, and I'm going to, um, you know, now's the time to live, now's the time for adventure, and I'm going to move to New York City where my mom was born. And my way of fixing my problem is I'm going to live for the summer, um, on the streets, and uh, I'm not going to starve to death because I'll have money in my pocket, and um, this will be my way of not using drugs. I'll be in a place that I don't know, and the last thing I want to do is living on the streets and doing drugs, and I will sleep uh, during the day at a park, and at night I'll stay up all night reading books. So this is this is Michael's plan to fix Michael's life, and in the Proverbs, yeah, you guys laugh, in the Proverbs it says there's a way that seems right to the man, but the way that leads to death. And um, also, I want to say a word to the young people. Just on, um, also in the Proverbs, it talks about it says the multitude of counselors is victory. So as I'm going through this process, of, okay, well, what am I going to do? I, I just quit my job. I'm running out of money. I need I need to change something. I don't want to get another job because I'm lazy. Um, well, what am, what about this plan? I'm going around talking to all my friends, and and all my friends are saying, "Yeah, man, it's, it's a great idea. That's awesome." You know, again, you know, it's a great adventure. We're going on the streets for the summer. And uh, talking to other people, and they're saying that's a terrible idea. And, you know, when you're looking for advice, um, I do. I consider two things now. The first thing is I'm this person love God. This person have a relationship with God. Um, and this is this person love me. Because if the person loves God and they love me, I know that they want my best and their heart's coming from the right place. They're having a godly perspective on the advice they're giving me. Because my friends, they cared about me, but they didn't love God, didn't have a relationship with God. So their advice is go do that. Go do that. That's great, you know. And uh, my parents and, and my uncle and other people that cared about me, they're saying, Michael, <laughs> what are you thinking? And um, and I want to tell you guys that even though it is embarrassing um, because of how silly I was being at the time, but um, as you guys are thinking about how short-sighted that plan was, uh, my plan of helping myself out, God, you know, we can draw a lot of uh, comparisons to how short-sighted all of our plans are. Um, any plan anybody comes up without God in the picture because at the end it's just going to lead to death. So, um, you know, I, I ended up coming back. Um, Jonathan, my brother, was graduating from college, so came back here um, to visit for that and was talking to my family about this. My parents said, you know, that's a terrible idea. And um, one night I was praying with my sisters. And again, um, so over the last five years, I, I grew up in the church. I believed in God. I did not want to think about God because I liked doing what I was doing. I didn't want to stop. And I knew that if I thought about God, I would have to think about what God said about the way I was living. And that was something I didn't want to face. So, again, again, it took God 
allowing me to get to that point where basically I had no other choice and I was forced to confront these these issues. So I came back and was talking to my, my siblings about that. I remember one night um, talking with uh, my sisters, Abigail, Rebecca, and Anna, in their room and um, was telling them about what I was planning on doing. They were, like, crying and stuff, you know, like, oh, no. And um, we were like, and we were like, well, let's pray. And um, and when we prayed, God got, had got me to the point in my life where when I prayed, I basically said, you know, God, uh, I don't know what it is that you want me to do, but I'll I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And um, the next next day, I was supposed to fly back to Memphis, and uh, my dad was going to be leaving to go to work in the morning. And so I told him not before. I said, Dad, you know, um, make sure you know w- wake me up. I'm sleeping in the living. Wake me up before you go to work. I want to say bye to you. So you know, five thirty six, whatever. The next morning, my dad gets up to go to work. Gets his lunch, puts it on the car, comes back in, sits down on the couch next to me, and starts to cry. And uh, you should have brought your Dad. Um, you uh, starts to cry, and at that point in my life, I'd seen my dad probably cry, you know, kind of one hand. Uh, since then, it's been a lot more. But uh, I love you, Dad. Um, started crying, so I'm like, okay, you know, that's all right, you know. And uh, he said, no, he said, I, I think that, you know, if you do this, I'm never going to see you again. And uh, I was like, whoa, you know. Um, and he said, Michael, you need to, uh, you need to repent. And um, I've, I've given my testimony before, and I always want to get to this point, you know, repent. It, it's a, to somebody that was in my position, it's a harsh word. It's not what you want to hear, because repent basically means to stop the wrong and do the right, to make, you know, turn around from the direction you've been going and come back the other way. And but that's exactly what I needed to do. Um, I wasn't doing what was right, so my dad left me with that, and I flew back uh, to Memphis, and God, God was working on me, and um, so at this point, God had now got me to a point where I still wanted to do this New York thing, because I thought it would be cool, you know, And um, but for some reason in my head, I'm like, well, I want to do this, but I want to get my parents' blessing, so kids, good luck ever trying to uh, get your parents' blessing and go live on the streets of New York for the summer, <laughs> so I start going up, and I'm like trying to, you know, find Google, like, places to get free food, and safe places to sleep and all this other stuff and you know to get my dad to sign off on this and this is not going to fly and uh so guy kept working my parents were like well what about you know trying to find some help get some help so i started checking to that and found this place on craigslist a uh, halfway house in seattle washington again i'm still trying to get out of memphis and it's a christian place and um it's pretty relaxed you could work a job had like midnight curfew you get randomly drug tested um two bible studies a week it was it was very relaxed and found this place and uh I um, called the guys and I interviewed with them and got a bed and had my, my t- bus ticket uh, ready. And my parents had told me if I was willing to get some help, they would pay for half. And if I paid for the other half, and my grandmother told me if I was willing to get some help, she would pay for half. <laughs> I paid for half. So, I, so I'm set. So I talked to my dad about it, and uh, he said, yeah. And I was sort of surprised because, you know, um, again, homeschool kids, if uh, your dad is anything like my dad, you know, usually he's like very... He's on his game, and he wants the best for you. So he's not going to sign off on, you know, going to New York. And so I was like, well, that's great. So there's that. So I'm talking to my grandma now, and all I need is for her to say, go ahead. And she said, Michael, you know, I'm not, I don't feel good about this, so I'm not, I'm not going to, not going to do it. And at first I was like really upset because I, I was like, this is it. You know, I can get out of Memphis. I can get help. Um, the conditions really aren't that hard. I can work a job, may not curfew. I mean, two Bible studies a week, I can do that. that that's not hard at all. And um, she's like, oh, I just don't have a good feeling about it. At first, I was upset, but then after I got off again, God was still working on me, and he got me to a place where I was basically like, okay, God, well, I said I would trust you, and if you're saying no to this, then I mean, you're closing that door means you've got something better for me. And um, so I said, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, you know, this whole thing of trusting you, 
um, it's different. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna try to do that. And uh, so my grandparents and parents have talked to me about this place. This place called Teen Challenge Memphis or Teen Challenge. And uh, so I start checking. I call New York one, call San Antonio one, and uh, they're not calling me back for some reason. I email them, not emailing me back. And my parents are like, well, why do you want to go? Again, parents being the voice of reason that you don't want to hear. Why do you want to go to all these cities when you, there's one right in Memphis you can go to? I said, I wanted to get out of Memphis. And uh, so I ended up going up there interviewing, and they said, yep, we got a bed open. You can come in the next day. And for those of you who don't know about Teen Challenge Memphis, it's a 12- to 15-month Christian discipleship, drug and alcohol, um, substance abuse program. So um, I went in the next day of Friday. It was, I think that's, uh, that's in May. What is that, Memorial Day? Right, yeah, went in there on Memorial Day, and um, you know, that's not what I was looking for, that's not what I was thinking. Want you know, go to one year rehab. Um, but I remember going out there, and again, Memorial Day weekend, the guys are out there, they're playing volleyball, and they're grilling out, and we're having a grand old time. But at the end of the day, I remember walking up the stairs and thinking to myself, Well, that was fun, but I'm ready to go home. And the second thought was, This is my home. And that first night, lying on that top bunk, staring up at the ceiling, just remember thinking to myself, I see, like, All right, God, you know, it's just. This is how it's going to be. This is you and me now for, for the rest. I mean, it wasn't like, okay, well, get me through the first week or get me through this year. I can go back and do what I'm doing. It was basically, all right, God got me to the point where I'm saying, God, it's you and me for the rest of my life every night. Now, you know, I'm not alone anymore. don't have to try to deal with life by myself. So it's a nice feeling when you know God's got your back. So over that next year in Teen Challenge... It's the most, it's the most wonderful, terrible place in the world. People who don't know anything about it, I would say it's a combination of uh, prison, boot camp, and Bible school. So you wake up every morning, you're on, you're on lockdown. You get to talk to your family once a week on the phone. Uh, no internet, no phone. You wake up every morning at 5:30. You gotta have your shoes lined up on your bed, and you go to church like 10 times a week. But it's great. Um, you learn a lot, and because it takes you out of your comfort zone, puts you in this very uncomfortable place. You're forced to learn. You're forced to trust God because there's no other way to it. There's no other way of getting through it. Um, you know, you're around people. You're around other, other men in the program. And normally in real life, if there's someone I don't like, I get off work, I don't have to see them, I can go home. Or I don't have to hang out with them. But in Teen Challenge, you live with these guys 24-7. So inevitably, there's going to be guys that you bump heads with and rub wrong. And it's a great opportunity to learn to, uh, again, trust God and love your enemy and pray for your enemy. And there's this one guy in the program um, who he and I, we always clashed. And one time, God had just really put on my heart that I had I had, uh, I had sinned and I had uh, uh, acted in a way I shouldn't. And he, he told me I needed to go make things right. So I have it in my head. I'm like, I'm going to go and talk to this guy and say, hey, man, I'm sorry for what happened. And will you forgive me? And he'll say yes. And we'll hug. And we'll be best friends. And uh, that's not exactly how it went down. I went and... Told him, I said, you know, God should put on my heart. I, I, I didn't act right the other day. Will you forgive me? And in between me saying that and him saying I forgive you, he proceeded to tell me all the things he didn't like about me, including, you know, just because you read your Bible doesn't mean you can walk around here acting like you're Jesus and just a bunch of stuff. So, uh, again, God was just teaching me to uh, to trust him, to put forth the effort, trust God, but put forth the effort. I think a lot of times, you know, at least me, I'm performance-driven, uh, you know, results-oriented type of a person. So I'm like, well, if I do A, then B will happen. And if for some reason B doesn't happen, I'm going to stop doing A. But with God, he just basically says, he says, obey. God just says, obey. He says, trust me with what happens. All you need to do is obey. That's all you need to know. I'm not always going to feel like obeying. He doesn't say obey if you feel like it. He just says, obey. So that's one thing God, uh, God really worked on me. Um, 
Also, the program is a very long program, and there's a lot of days when you feel like quitting and giving up. And one such day for me was when I was in the program for four months. And um, I had I had got a case of discipline. And dis- you know, there's a lot of rules. At Teen Challenge, you got 30 guys. you got some type of semblance to order. But I had a case of discipline. It was a Monday, the Saturday before, when my best friends in the program had left. Um, the next day, Sunday, again, the day before, another one of my friends had left. So I'm just real feeling real depressed and miserable. I'm at work, and uh, I had been, you know, talking to God and reading my scripture and um, praying and everything. But a uh, place I, where I was working, uh, it was right down the street from my uh, what I call my Chinese grandma. So I got my white grandma and I got my Chinese grandma. So my cr- Chinese grandma lives right down the street, and I was thinking, man, you know, I'm not I'm not court ordered here like these other guys, and you know, I could just walk out the door, walk right down the street to Grandma's house, knock on her door. She'd be happy to see me, cook me some fried rice or something. And it would be great. And uh, I went over to this other guy that I just told you about, the one that Clyde was clashing. I just stood there, and uh, he, he just looked at my face, and he's like, you want to leave? He, I didn't have to say anything he knew. And I said, yeah. And uh, I was like, uh, can you pray for me? So we prayed. And, um, again, God taught me something very important that day. It's just when we're talking about the body of Christ, when you're looking around here at uh, FCF Church, you know, when you guys are the body of Christ, um, you know, we're here to support each other, and we all need each other. No one can make it through. I mean, there's lots of days that you know you can feel down, and, you, and you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes, and so we need each other. We need to be praying for each other. I learned that that day. Um, ended up through the grace of God, graduating the program May 17th of this this year. Uh, it was a miracle, miracle, really. Um, just through God's grace. Um, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Beijing recently. I thank everyone here who uh, supported and prayed for me. Uh, it was it was great. Uh, going back to the body of Christ, over, when we went over there, you know, we're at church on Sunday, and they're singing, and I don't understand. I don't understand what they're saying. But we're all worshiping together because we all have the same spirit and worshiping the same God. And realizing that there's, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who right now are, are going to sleep while we're awake and when we go to sleep are waking up for their day and to be mindful of praying for them and learning about the importance of prayer. You know, the, the, the man who, who led the mission trip, he, he asked this question. He said, if all of my prayers from the last year were answered, what would the world look like? You know, would, um, would, would Pakistan be saved? Would Iraq be saved? Would China be saved? Would my life just be more comfortable? And it made me think, because a lot of times, you know, I'm praying, God, you know, I'm this, whatever's going on in my life, I don't like it. Please make it go away. And I'm uh, just reading the New Testament about uh, Paul, how many times he talks about He's like, I'm locked up. And then he says, pray that a door would be opened for the gospel, for the reason why I'm locked up. He doesn't say, pray that I'll get out of jail. That's what I would be praying. God, get me out of jail. He says, pray that a door would be opened so I could, I could share the gospel. And so just having this idea that God is in control, God's sovereign, and, and God God knows where we're at. And he's never, he's never, God never wakes up. It's like, oh, wasn't paying attention. Uh, he's in trouble. How do you get over there? God knows what's going on. And God, God allows these things for a reason. So just being mindful. And he says that his grace is enough, and I believe that. I think I'm going to be, uh, Pastor Works, I'm going to be a lot shorter than I thought it would be. Originally, Pastor had told me I had about 20 minutes. And uh, I had the opportunity recently to teach about five hours um, at the ministry. I actually I work at Teen Challenge where I graduate. I've been working there on staff since. And I had the opportunity to teach five hours of class last week. And the morning of the first class, I was worried that I wouldn't have enough to talk about. And my sister texted me later, and she said, how'd it go? I said, well, uh, I ran out. I, I, that wasn't a problem. I had more than enough to talk about. <laughs> the problem wasn't that I ran out of stuff. And uh, 
But I do. I just want to go ahead and in closing. Uh, last night, um, my brother Stephen Abagon, I drove up, drove down from Memphis, and I went running last night. And uh, it's nice out out there in Bernie. You know, you can see the stars. You can't in Memphis. You can't you can't do that. And just looking up at the stars and um, just realizing, you know, that none of that none of that was possible without God. I would not have been able to have been there without Him. And, and the psalmist says, he counts the number, number of the stars, he gives names to them all, and the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanses declaring the work of his hands. And um, Man, that was a really cool moment. And just think about how, how worthy God is of, of praise. Um, you know, if, if I was up here and Pastor Welch was like, hey, Michael's going to get up there and talk a little bit, and, you know, we had, uh, you know, Rudy's catered in or, you know, or the Spurs were here, and Timmy and Manu and Tony were all here, sign autographs, get the preacher's take from me, and you guys were like, "Well, what's going on? That's a big deal. He's just going to talk." That, would, you know, it's just. I mean, that would seem like a big deal. But thing, and the thing about God, though, is like when we're talking about God, about giving God praise and giving God honor and giving God glory, is you can't ever overdo it with God. You could overdo it with me, you know, but you can't ever do it. God's always more than worthy, and that's that's the thing that um, man, He's just been impressing upon me more and more, um. If you guys would, everyone turn to, if you have your Bibles, I know you do, Philippians chapter 2. just want to read, um, read something. Chapter 2, Philippians, I'm starting verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of a God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Why? Therefore, also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Pray for me. Father God, just we come before you, Lord, thankful. Lord, for your goodness, Lord, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your love. Lord, everything that you are, the fact that you are worthy, Lord, of everything we could ever give you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your sovereign will. God, all of these families here gathered together, Lord, in your name. I thank you that your spirit does live within us. And we ask that our lives might be spent for you. Lord, you say in your word that a grain of wheat, Lord, does not fall to the ground, it remains alone, but Lord, but if it falls to the ground and dies, then it will bear much fruit. So God, we thank you that we can come to you, Lord, and Lord, that it's your name, Lord, a name that is highly exalted above any other. God, we thank you in that name. 
Lord, we pray, Lord, that it might be good soil, Father, as you look at the families and the many children that are in this room, Lord, pray, Lord, that they might be sent out across the globe, Lord, and to our communities, to the workplaces, Lord. You said that the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few, Lord. Thank you for giving us many laborers in this room. God, I just pray, Lord, that your work would be done. I would thank you for who you are. For all these things in your name, amen. Thanks, Pastor. Well, um, like I said, over the last five years, I knew what the truth was. I knew that God was real. I believed in God. Um, and, you know, in the, the scriptures, it talks about how a man is without excuse. Um, and one day when we're all standing before God, I don't believe that anyone's going to say, well, God, I didn't know. And if I had known, I would have. I would have accepted you. I believe that when we stand before God, we're all going to know um, we're, we're without excuse. So I, I knew the truth, and I was willfully, willfully blind. Um, I chose to not think about it. So, again, it was just God bringing me to that point. Basically, to be honest with you, it was just God bringing me to the point where I had no other choice. Um, I, I, If I had anywhere else to have gone, I probably would have chosen to keep going my own way. So God just God had to back me into the corner and get me to where I had no other choice but but to turn to him. And I'm glad he did. So if you wanted to help young people avoid some pain, how might they see that and grasp that earlier in the day? Hmm. Well, I know that, um, you know, there's some really smart people that uh, they are able to learn from others. Most of us have to learn from our mistakes, and some people never seem to learn at all. But, you know, just being able to learn from, from others and... At the end of the day, what it comes down to is, you know, I, I can't, and this has been hard for me because, you know, I'm 24 years old and I haven't lived with my family in six years and I'm, I'm more or less financially independent from them and um, getting to the point where I'm back to say, hey, can I honor, can I respect, can I obey my parents and the Lord, even though I don't live there anymore, and, and looking at scriptures and seeing, uh, you know, Jacob still obeying, you know, his, his father, you know, he was 40 years old and he wasn't married yet. And I'm um, saying, well, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to obey mom and dad. It's hard to um, to understand why they're asking me to do these things. I don't agree with them. Um, but understand that ultimately it comes down to obeying God. It's don't don't obey your parents because you, they're your they are your parents. O- obey your parents because you're obeying God. I believe that's the right way to go about it. And and if and and that's what I would say for all the young people is, is obey God and. God's way is not hard. Jesus said that his yoke was easy and his burden was light. And and when I was growing up, going to church, I didn't like going to church. I, I, I was dragged to church. And I wasn't obeying God. And I wasn't in love with, with, with Jesus. And I didn't have that relationship. I had a lot of head knowledge, but I didn't have the heart relationship. So if, if you don't love God, then that's something you need to think about. So going forward, you're at Teen Challenge uh, on staff, and you've got uh, you see a lot of broken lives around yes. you. Uh, you're still kind of in that that phase, that season of staying the course, walking the path, 
Obedience. Obedience, yes. Keeps you. I mean, I know you're in the Word. I know you've got. But what, is there some other things that come alongside you that are going to help you get through this season? I'm glad you asked. Um, accountability. Accountability, accountability is a huge thing. It's something we preach at Teen Challenge, and something that even after graduating, I realized God has helped me realize the the importance of it. You know, I, I can't I can't trust myself to always do it. I'm a mess up. What I want to do is put myself in a position where I'm in my right mind. I can tell somebody, hey, when I'm not in my right mind, slap me across the face. Give me the wake-up call because I, I know I'm going to need it. So accountability is a huge thing. You know, it can be all different types of levels. Um, just accountability, letting someone know where you're going, when you're going to be back. You know, um, accountability in terms of, um, you know, scripture memorization, having somebody you try to memorize, hide God's word, what in your heart with. Uh, accountability on certain areas, you know, um, you know, we all have uh, weaknesses and areas that we need help in. Letting someone, a, a Christian, you know, brother or sister, depending on, on your gender, know what's going on that you're weak and saying, can you pray for me about this? Can you, can you hold me accountable? Can you ask me how I'm doing? Encourage me to do what's right. So accountability, again, going back to the Christian, Christian body and the fellowship is again can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. I, I can't. Again, when I when I think about everything that God's done, I I can't miss out on all the people that He's used, all the people that have prayed for me here, and the people He's used to, to pour into my life to speak speak His words into my life. So it's it's definitely accountability is a huge thing. What's up, Tony? It's a lot better. <laughs> it's a lot better. <laughs> uh, it's it's great. Um, again, going to the Beijing the Beijing trip. One of the big things that uh, God opened my eyes to was the um, concept of discipleship and multiplication. And you know, Jesus saying, "I go therefore and make disciples of all the nations." Based looking at it and saying, "Okay, well, so I'm reading the Bible not just so I can have get through the day, but I'm reading the Bible so I can learn God's word and His material, and I can turn teach and pass it on to others." And, um, you know, this uh, whole idea of, of making disciples and um, teaching them God's truths, not just by us sitting across the table talking, but in them actually seeing me live it on my life. You know, Paul's talking about, he said, you know, I, I want to run a situation so I'm not disqualified. I can't tell, be telling these guys at Teen Challenge, you need to do this if I'm not doing it myself. They're going to see the difference. It's not what you say, it is what you do. So um, I need to make sure I do what I'm saying. Um, so, you know, just, but being able to work with the guys is great. Um, it's not, uh, the human side of me says it's not the most glamorous job. It's something I have to, I have to give to God. Um, you know, but at, at the end of the day, um, and the human side says, well, you're not making any money. But at the end of the day, God is taking care of me. He, all my needs are being met. And I have nothing to claim, to complain about. And at the end of the day, like, you know, if, if he says, uh, says I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. And I understand that it's not my life anymore. So it's not about Michael. It's not about what Michael wants to do with his life. It's about God and what God can do in and through me. Um, and if you want to see an example of what the type of impact a life can can make on the world that is obedient to God, look at Jesus Christ. So that's our example. So if I really want to make an impact and I want to be a difference maker, you know, Jesus was a world impactor. If I want to be like him and he lives inside of me, then I need to be obedient like him and obeying God. So just being able to work with the guys and, um, you know, have a, I mean, a perfect situation set up to do discipling there. I mean, a lot of problems with discipling is that, you know, everyone gets busy and it's hard to meet with people. And Teen Challenge, those guys are required to meet with me at least once a week. So we sit down and we're like, let's talk. But, um, so it's been great there. Um, 
I'm there until at least May 17th. Um, that's when my second six-month commitment ends. At that point, I don't know what I'm doing after that, so y'all could be praying for me about that. I'm um, not planning on staying Teen Challenge long-term. Um, it's hard to support a family on $125 a week. But um, if May 17th comes and God has opened other doors, and I'm completely fine staying there a little bit longer. One other uh, question I have. <clears throat> During the season that you were just getting started in the Teen Challenge, you still had parents that were praying for you, and, and I realized that you were on a kind of restricted basis of phone calls and things like that. Mm-hmm. Did you at any time struggle with the calling them and with the thought that they may bust your chops, they may, you know, try to steer you to X, Y, Z, you know, you just... You're talking about while I was still in the, when I was in the program? Yeah, when you were, especially when you were starting out yes. in the program. Yes. Before that four-month period, before you were really broken. Mm-hmm. During that time when you maybe had a phone call opportunity to your parents, mm-hmm. did you struggle with the idea, well, they're going to they're gonna beat me up a little bit, you know, or did they just pour on love? That, that four-month mark was when I felt like giving up um, and quitting the program and, and backing out on what God was, was wanting to do. Um, God had worked on me pretty good, so when I came to the program, I was pretty much like, God, you know, again, that first night, God, whatever, you know, I'm with you. I know you're with me. Um, the cool thing about everything that happened again was that God didn't do, God doesn't just do stuff in your life just for you. Again, he does it for many, many other people. And again, if, if I'm looking at talking to one guy and saying, man, you know, God loves you, God doesn't just want to save that one guy. He wants to save that guy and all the people behind him. So I know that God was and has been doing, has done a work not only in my life and in my parents' life, my siblings' life, my friends. I've been able to go back and talk to now. Um, so my parents were very, very loving, very supportive of me being there. Um, I would say that my relationship with my parents is, is the best that it's ever been. Um, and I would say the reason because of my relationship with God is the best that it's ever been. Um, so, so that was, that was really good. Um, I don't know if that answered. Yes, sir. There's no more questions. Pastor, and I got one more thing to say. Just, um, again, we all, we all want, we all want to be free. The way up is down. So I always tell the guys, I said, you know, draw on a board, have them list everything that comes with what they call the good life. Uh, Family, uh, home, good job, you know, good relationships, right relationship with God, good life. And then I have them list on the other side. The bad life, and they all know what the bad life is. And I, I told them, the man that does whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it has everything over here. He has the bad life. The man that obeys God and lives obedience to God has the good life. I'd always tell them, you know, you can be free to be a slave. You can be free to be in bondage, or you can be a slave to freedom. Be a slave to God. You'll be free. Pastor. Well, I never want to be guilty of squelching the spirit, so that's the reason I told Michael he'd have 50 minutes this morning. <laughs> Early this morning, we decided on that. Two things that I see there before we go. One thing would be none of us know what the journey ahead holds for us. So it'd be a good idea to be prayed up and ready for whatever might be coming. You just don't have any idea what may be coming down the track. But when it comes... You can be ready. You can be close to the Lord. You can sense His presence and have the grace 
and power to face whatever it is. But the other thing would be more important, I think, and especially for young people, and that is as you think about what you want your life to represent, what you want to give your life to, and your job and your good life and friends and whatever it is, let me tell you that the most exciting thing in the world is a changed life. Yours and others too, as you help others to see their lives change through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't change them, but you can certainly be a part of the means of grace to help them understand the right path and pray for them to choose that path. So as you're thinking about what you want to do in life, just remember that's the most exciting thing. I changed life. You're dismissed.